Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, we don't have any comments, and I think that's probably the better thing for right now, but coming to the end, hopefully we get a lot more comments, so please do that. Now, in our last podcast, Deborah, Gabe, and I finished discussing up through chapter 32. We really didn't get that far. (laughs) So... Uh, We really want to be on the fast track to complete our discussion of this incredible book. And again, hopefully by the end of September. And uh, we want to start our new series in October. So today I want to continue with chapter 32, but I really, really want to move to chapter 33. So again, listeners, remember we're going to give you just the highlights and be sure that you read the entire chapters on your own. Now, Gabe is back with me in the studio. Welcome back, Gabe. Thanks. Good to be here. And my wife, Deborah, is also here. Welcome welcome back, dear. Thank you. It's good to be here again. Parker is not here. He's off on a special project. And uh, so it's just Gabe, Deborah, me, and the equipment. And I'm glad it's not just me and the equipment because it would be a disaster. All right. Everything is working really well. So let's just get into this chapter 32 really quickly. And uh, uh, we're going to skip page 29. And there, uh, last time we left him on the riverbank, he had the three assassins jump in the river. Uh, Jim tells him, take my greetings to Sheriff Ali till I come myself. We all know that he goes himself. He's the superhero. He carried two cannons up the mountain and blasted the whole thing out. And so, of course, uh, that's all rumor and, mm-hmm. and myth. But anyway, he did he did get rid of Sheriff Ali. All right. Now, one thing Marlowe wants us to remember, this is still just a love story. <laughs> All right. So so on page two thirty, right in the middle of the page it says, Jim turned to the girl. This is this is after uh, you know all three jump in. Remember the river, uh, it's full of alligators. Uh, it's dark so the monkeys are asleep. But uh, you know, I would think they had been terrified to have to jump in that river and swim across to get this Sheriff Ali's camp. But anyway, um, with them gone, it says, Jim turned to the girl who had been a silent and attractive, attentive excuse me, observer. His heart seemed suddenly to grow too big for his breast and choke him in the hollow of his throat. This probably made him speechless for long, and after returning his gaze, she flung the burning torch with a wide sweep of the arm into the river. The ruddy fire glare, taking a long flight through the night, sank with a vicious hiss, and the calm, soft starlight descended upon them unchecked. <laughs> and so there is another very romantic scene. So, so you have to have the romantic scene at the river. All right. But there's a lot that Marlowe doesn't tell us right there that we know goes on at the river. All right. It says, um, uh, Marlowe says, talking about Jimmy, said he did not tell me what it was what it what it was he said when at last he recovered his voice i don't suppose he could be very eloquent <laughs> so so he's picking on jim 
I guess he was having trouble with romantic well, well, words. Well, being emotional at that yeah. point, yes. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. I can understand that. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just think he's a baby. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, of course, that's what Cornelia says too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it says the world was still. The night breathed on them. One of those nights that seemed created for the sheltering of tenderness, and there are moments when our souls, as if freed from their dark envelope glow with an exquisite sensibility that makes certain silences more lucid than speeches. <laughs> so it's, it's what he didn't say that was important. Yeah. So, but notice, uh, he still brings in the word dark. It's that we're freed from their dark envelope. And so, so he, he likes the dark, that guy, I'll tell you. All right, any other comments? What's the big reveal here in this chapter? Top of page 231. I'll read it to you. It says, There he got up and began to walk about with some agitation. And so he tells Marlowe, I, I love her dearly. More than I could tell. Of course, one cannot tell. You take a different view of your actions when you come to understand, when you are made to understand every day that your existence is necessary. You see, absolutely necessary to another person. I am made to feel that wonderful, but only try to think what her life had been. It was too extravagantly awful, isn't it? And me finding her here like this, as you may go out for a stroll and come suddenly upon somebody drowning in a lonely dark place. No time to lose. Well, it is a trust, too. I believe I am equal to it. So he makes the big reveal that he really loves Jewel. And uh, I think we'd all agree that she really loves him. All right. Well, this is a love story. Remember, this, <laughs> yes. this, this is a love story. All right. Um, uh, he, he goes on then to say, I must tell you the girl had left us to ourselves sometime before. He slapped his chest. Yes, I feel that, but I believe I am equal to all my luck. He had the gift of finding a special meaning in everything that happened to him. So this guy has really gone over the moon. Now that's what I think that that's a very interesting statement right there, because it does seem that he is romantic. He does seem like he 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 finds special you know reasons for things that happen to him and meaning. So I thought that was that's a good statement there. Remember, he's the romantic hero. He's a romantic hero, yes, and so. Yeah. So these things happen for a reason. And yeah, yeah, it's yes. all—it's all meant to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's—it's it's all pre-planned. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so anyway, but but who who was the one that really saved him? <laughs> it's her, you know. So so he said um, this. He goes on to say there was a special meaning in everything. We just we just read that. This was the view he took of his love affair. It was idyllic. A little Solomon also true, since his belief had all of the unshakable seriousness of youth. So it's like this this whole love affair with Jewel is right out of one of the fairy tale books. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that, that he read so much of when he was a kid. You know, so, uh, so anyway, he says, The very thought of the world outside is enough to give me a fright, because, don't you see, he continued, with downcast eyes watching the action of his boot busied in squashing through a tiny bit of dried mud. We were strolling on the riverbank. He says, because I have not forgotten why I came here, not yet. And so uh, I think that means the Patna is still haunting him. And he can never be romantic Jim you know, with the Patna. All right. Um, 
the, the down at the bottom of the page there, um, there's a paragraph there that I maybe we could talk about a little bit. It says, um, his voice changed. It says, it's not strange, he went on in a gentle, almost yearning term, that all these people, all these people who would do anything for me can never be made to understand. Never, if you believe me, I could not call them up. It seems hard somehow. I am stupid, am I not? What more can I want? If you ask them who is brave, who is true, who is just, who is it they would trust with their lives, they would say, Tuan Jim, and they can never know the real truth. So what do you think he's talking about there? Well, that he still has the, the he's haunted by the fact that he was not brave and true and a hero with the Patna incident. So, so that's, he doesn't, and he, but the people there believe that he is brave and true and a hero. And they can, he doesn't want them to know, but also it's almost like he doesn't think they believe in any way. So. Yeah, right. They wouldn't believe it no. if, if he told them because right. of what he does. Mm-hmm. There. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, obviously they don't know anything of what happened on the Patna, and Jim isn't going to willingly just start telling the people there about it anyways. Because like you said, they, they wouldn't believe him, and I don't think he would want to even just risk that getting out. Because every time he let it, or it got, word got around, um, back when I guess he was still in Europe, um, every time word got around that you know, he was the guy from the Patna. He would just get up and move to the next place, basically, and right. following him around. Right, right. So, so anyway, um, there, there's a little bit, little bit more there. I think we can skip over some of that. Um, again, all you listeners out there, you need, you need to read this. Um, the Patna incident. I mean, I think we could sum it up this way: the Patna incident still haunts him, really unnecessarily. And Marlow, Marlow even tells him, "Stop this." You know, it's it's right in this. You know, you know, you don't need to worry about this. You know, that's that's the way Marlowe has always told him that, and so he just he just never wanted to to listen to all that. Um, one one of the things I think is interesting uh, also on this page is that Marlowe Marlowe tells Jim, and in other words, to kind of help him get through all this, he does tell Jim. That, that he is going to be this this mystery no matter where he is you know it, it, it's and I think all of us have made mistakes in our lives and you have to learn to get past them you have to say okay the mistake happened and move on Jim doesn't seem like he can do that no mm-hmm. you know it's but but yet he's living the life of a romantic hero now and so but for him it, it he can't replace the present with the past and that's that that i think is even um i mean even people today have that same um you know same trouble with that and so you know it really can affect your life um you know in too many ways all right so if you look at um what what goes on here now is is that what they're they're talking about um I can if I can get this together right. Sometimes I have so much in here. I I've got too much. All right. Um. This is where. This is where um, after this whole experience. You know, with the. Um, with the, the assassins, they're coming back to the to the compound, 
And I think this is where they see Cornelius kind of in the background. I mean, that that's why it's another proof that, that Cornelius was probably had a part of this. But then it's also um, that, that she stops him. She stops Marlowe. Jewel wants to talk to Marlowe. And this is on this would be on page two thirty three. Um, this is where, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, Marlo Marlo starts talking, uh, not only talking to Jim, he talked to Jim, but he also starts talking to her. And I think it's um, uh, this is page two thirty three. It's almost down in the middle of the page. It says it was dark under the projecting roof, and all I could see were the flowing lines of her gown the pale small oval of her face with the white flash of her teeth and turned towards me the big somber orbits of her eyes where there seemed to be a faint stir such as you may fancy and can detect when you plunge your gaze to the bottom of an immensely deep well what is it that moves there you ask yourself it is a blind monster only a lost gleam from the universe it occurred to me don't laugh that all things being dissimilar she was more inscrutable in her childish ignorance than the Sphinx propounding riddles to wayfarers. So, you know, he's saying that, wow, there's a lot to this girl. That, you know, like the, the Sphinx is like this mystery, and she's got her own mystery. And there's, you, you also have um, Jim. He's got his own mystery. And basically the point he's making is we all have our mysteries, <laughs> you know. He said she had been carried off to Patterson before her eyes were opened. She had grown up there. She had seen nothing. She had known nothing. She had no conception of anything. I asked myself whether she were sure that anything else existed. What notion she may have formed of the outside world is to me inconceivable. All that she knew of its inhabitants were a betrayed woman and a sinister pantaloon. Her lover came to hear her from there gifted with irresistible seductions, but what would become of her if he would return to these inconceivable regions that seemed always to claim back their own? Her mother warned her of this with tears before she died. And so so here, um, you know, Marlowe, somehow he's out there in the dark with all of them. And he said, she had caught hold of my arm firmly as soon as I had stopped. She had withdrawn her hand in haste. She was audacious and shrinking. She feared nothing, but she was checked by the profound incertitude and the extreme strangeness, a brave person groping in the dark. I belong to this unknown that might claim Jim for its own at any moment. So what do you think of that? Yes, well, that, it's interesting. She, she, she is really, she's afraid of what she doesn't know, and she, she doesn't know anything about the outside world except that... Um, Except for for um, Cornelius, basically, you know, and and um, what he treated, what, how, how he, he treated how he treated her, her mother, and and it seems like uh, all men just leave, come come and they leave, you know, and they leave, and so she really doesn't know, and she's so she's a brave person groping in the dark, so there's a dark again. Yep, it's all there. Mm -hmm. It's always the dark. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, Let's see if we uh, if we get into chapter thirty three. Um, I, I think a good way to look at chapter thirty three is to to see it this way: is this is Marlowe's analysis of Jewel. I mean, this is this is almost everything is almost completely about her, and uh, you know, it, it's like we know a lot about Jim, and um, 
you know, uh, if you really go back to chapter 33 and you, you, you take it all in, uh, Marla recognized that Jim had mastered her heart, um, but, uh, you know, he, he didn't think his, his successes on the island were, were good, very good. I mean, Marlo knew he was in danger. Um, uh, if you, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just keep going on here. Let me just see. Um, uh, we, we know that Cornelius and Ali hated him. Um, we know that Jim swore to her that he would never leave her. Uh, Jewel knows that Jim has this deep secret. He won't tell her. She wants to know why no one wants Jim. And, uh, you know, we, we know that, um, you know, in this chapter 33, it's revealed that, uh, that Marlo tells her that he just wasn't good enough. And then she responds to him and says, you know, you lie. And so, so this is what, what, you know, chapter 33 is all about. It's kind of like her analysis of, I mean, uh, Marlo's analysis of him. And, um, uh, if you look at page 235, everything I just said there is where you're going to find it. It said, um, uh, one of the things when she's talking to him, she wants to, she wants to know if Marlo came to take him away. And then Marlo says, no, he said, I, I can never take him away. And the reason why is he will never go with me, you know? And so, so, uh, uh, you know, she, she wants to be assured that he is not going to run away, and that's why he, she's talking to Marlo. And um, uh, you know, in the very middle of the page, it said she had insisted she wanted. Uh, what she reveals here, also, we just had this whole thing on the riverbank, and in, in chapter thirty-three, she does reveal that you know that she actually what we don't see in chapter thirty-two. Marlo now reveals it that she actually wanted Jim to leave her. You know, when they're on the riverbank and Jim's having this big romantic moment and he finally sees her the way, you know, his heart's breaking and I mean his heart's his heart's bursting in his chest. She says, Look, I want you to leave. And the reason why is she knows that they wonder they really do want to kill him. It says, uh, he said then that he would not abandon her to Cornelius. She had insisted she wanted him to leave her. He said that he could not. That was impossible. He trembled while he said this. She had felt him tremble. One does not require much imagination to see the scene, almost to hear their whispers. She was afraid for him too. I believe that she saw in him only a predestined victim of dangers which she understood better than himself. And I think that's absolutely true. I think that goes to his, there's a certain naivete about him. Right. And where she, she sees the dangers. Yeah. Um, but then, again, because it's a love story, it says there, uh, though by, by nothing but his mere presence, he had mastered her heart, had filled all her thoughts, and had possessed himself of all of her affections. She underestimated his chances of success. It is obvious that about that time, everybody was inclined to underestimate his chances. Strictly speaking, he didn't seem to have any. I know, this is this uh, page 235, I know this was Cornelius's view. He confessed that much to me in the extenuation of the shady part he had played in Sheriff Lee's plot to do away with the infidel. And so, so I still think, and, and as Gabe said, why didn't she say something? 
and I think it's because she knew that her stepfather was involved. And that's why he was afraid at the table and everything. It says, even Sharif Ali, as it seems certain, this is page 234, it goes over to, uh, he, he was certain now, had nothing but contempt for the white man. Jim was to be murdered mainly on religious grounds. So remember, um, he was uh, an infidel. Page 236, I think it's interesting. Again, this is still chapter 33. It says, she was unselfish when she urged Jim to leave her and even to leave the country. It was it was his danger that was foremost in her thoughts. Even if she wanted to save herself too, perhaps unconsciously. So I think that's an important that's a really important statement. That that she did want him to leave. It's not that she didn't love him, but she was afraid for herself. Once once he was killed, what would happen to her? That's what she was concerned about. But then look at the warning too. She took the she uh she uh, looked at the lesson that could be drawn from every moment of his recently ended life in which her memories were centered. She fell at his feet. She told me so. There by the river in the discreet light of stars which showed nothing except great masses of silent shadows indefinite open spaces and trembling faintly on the broad stream made it appear as wide as the sea. He had lifted her up. He lifted her up and then she would struggle no more. Of course not. Strong arms, a tender voice, a stalwart shoulder to rest her poor lonely little head upon. The need, the infinite need of this for the aching heart, for the bewildered mind, the promptings of youth, the necessary of the moment. <laughs> the necessity of the moment. That's Conrad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty long sentence. <laughs> so, so anyway. Um, uh, anyway, we... we uh, if, if we just keep keep skipping ahead, this is a really long, uh, by the way, it's a long chapter, so I don't want to spend uh, you know, a whole lot of time on it. But if we go, uh, if we go all the way back to page 242, this is towards the end of the chapter, um, the, Jewel wants to know, you know, why why the world doesn't love him? Why you know what? She wants to know the big secret, and of course, um, you know, Marlo is not going to give that away. He's not going to tell her. And uh, I hope I got the right page here. She, if we if we go to the second paragraph on page two forty two, I can start it there. It says, "I stopped. The silence over Patterson was profound, and the feeble, dry sound of a paddle striking the side of a canoe somewhere in the middle of the river seemed to make it infinite." Why? She murmured. I felt that sort of rage one feels during a hard tussle. And and what she's asking is why? Why doesn't the world love her? She believes he's great. She believes he's invincible. She believes. You know that that he's really strong and he's true and he's wise and he's brave. Brave. Why doesn't the world want him? She can't understand it. And uh, uh, she kept saying, "Why?" She murmured. I felt that sort of rage one feels during a hard tussle. Uh, and and he, he calls her the specter there because she's you know always dressed in white. And so he said, "The specter was trying to slip out of my grasp." Why? She repeated louder. Tell me. And as I remained confounded, she stamped with her foot like a spoiled child. Why? Speak. You want to know? I asked in a fury. Yes, she cried. Because he's not good enough, I said brutally. During the moment pause, I noticed the fire on this shore blaze up. 
dilating the circle of its glow like an amazed stare on and contracts suddenly to a red pinpoint to me that's that's out of heart of darkness there's almost another scene where they have all the fire and everything and uh uh you know he he just insisted he's not good enough for the world and she goes on to say that is the very thing he said and uh she said you lie and it says the last two words she cried at me in the native dialect hear me out i entreated she caught her breath tremulously flung my my arm away nobody nobody is good enough i began with the greatest eagerness i could hear the sobbing labor of her breath frighteningly quicken i hung my head what was the use footsteps were approaching i slipped away without another word and so this was again conversation in the darkness and so so uh, any comments well it's it's it was um was it was frustrating for him uh, otherwise he he didn't really want to say that but that just kind of came out that because he's not was not he's not good enough but then he was trying to um make it soften at the end there saying no nobody really nobody's good enough but that didn't come out no, very well so not right. no. but the thing is is, is marlo knows jim is not planning to leave right so she didn't even need to worry about it. No. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but but obviously there's something bugging her. She or wants to, she wants to, it's like she knows there's a background there. She wants to know what it is. Yeah. A mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. You know all of my background. Most people when they get together, <laughs> they, they they want to know the truth. So. You know all of my background, and you still married me, and you stuck with me for 47 years. So, but I know all of your background too. <laughs> so anyway, all right, everybody out there. So we're rushing along here. I think we can capture chapter 34 really quickly. All right. Now, there's really only two two important things in this chapter. And one, the, the whole first, I'm gonna say, I don't know how many, I don't know how to go through this. Um, the first, let's say, if you go to page 243, 44, 246 all this is is Marlowe's musings on life and death I mean it's really long and uh, um, there's some really great lines in it and um, um, uh, he goes back uh, essentially the way the chapter opens it's we're in a scene where Marlowe is back on the veranda and so that, that it can really throw people when they when they're reading it, he's this, he's not on the island anymore. He's he's this is he's taking a break from telling the story. So so he's up he's up on the uh, on the veranda, and <laughs> the the people up there are waiting for him to to continue talking. You know he's he's talked so much. I mean think about this whole book. He's talked so much. He's tired, and one of the voices in the crowd says. It's, it's too sunny. And he goes, well, <laughs> you know, like, come on, tell the story. And then, then notice it says, nothing said Marla with the slightest art. He had told her that's all. She did not believe him, nothing more. So, so anyway, he, he's, he's finishing off the story with Jewel. And, of course, then he uses Latin, uh, magna est veritas et. And uh, I think that means truth is great and will prevail. And so, so uh, you know, he's he's kind of giving these guys a lesson. I'm not sure they really want a lesson. Um, 
but notice there at the middle of that page, 243, it says that, that Marlo paused, crossed his arms on his breast, and in a changed tone, she said we lied, poor soul. Well, let's leave it to chance, whose ally is time. It cannot be hurried, with whose enemy is death, that it will not wait. And so, so the thing is, Marlowe starts into this whole dis- discussion of you know, life and death, and he, he did believe in fate, and we know that even from Heart of Darkness because he has the two women that look like the fates. And so notice he says, leave it to chance, and, and whose ally is time, whose ally is time, and, and death is basically, it's definitely going to come to all of us. And so, so he goes on and, and talks about it. He does have another book um, called Chance, and it's about a woman in England, and Marlowe is the narrator, by the way. And surprised if we're not surprised about that, but but anyway, there's there's a lot of little subtle things in this this um, this chapter. Um, essentially, what happens is is uh, what what Marlowe tells everybody is Jim actually catches the two of them having their conversation in the dark, and and he says, "Hey, hello, girl," and she he cried cheerily, "Hello, boy." And, and uh, Marlowe still telling us more of the love story. That's how, that's how they kind of communicated to each other. Um, uh, anyway, if if you go down through this chapter, um, uh, some of the some of the comments he makes, like on page two two forty three, this is a, this is one of the Conrad lines. He said, "There is an implacable destiny of every life. Leave it to chance." You know, and and uh, so so. Um, you know that's that's one of those things he he believes in in uh, in that. Uh, then at page two forty four, he praises Jim's drive um, to experiment with planting coffee. And so uh, uh, also on page two forty four, um, it says there he was going to try ever so many experiments. I admire I admired his energy, his enterprise, his shrewdness. Nothing on earth seemed less real now than his plans, his energy, and his enthusiasm in raising my eyes. I saw part of the moon glittering through the brushes at the bottom of the chasm. For a moment it looked as though the smooth disk falling from its place in the sky upon the earth had rolled to the bottom of the precipice. So, so again, uh, all you readers out there, there's just a lot to read here. And it's, it's again, it's Jim's, it's, it's uh, Marlowe's musing. There's another phrase in there that's really good. It says, the human heart is vast enough to contain all the world. It is valiant enough to bear the burden, but where is the courage that would cast it off? And so again, that's, that's more of his uh, musings. He also says, page 245, that as he, he has all these things in his memory, and when he was on the island, it had been as if I had been the last of mankind. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of deep thinking uh, in this, the, the other second point in this chapter is that uh, Marlowe comes out and shows how Cornelius hated Jim. That's all the time we have for today's program. Next time, Deborah, Gabe, and I will continue our discussion of Jim's misadventures on Patterson. Now, it's really rather late in the game um, to buy Lord Jim, but uh, I do recommend that you do it and read the book. You can go back and listen to all the podcasts on it. It's really been a great series. We've had a lot of good comments on it. And so uh, 
but remember, you can buy Lord Jim at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com, and you may also be able to find a copy at your local bookstore. Now, of course, you can check your local library. So we're having a new series coming up. We'll be announcing that on Twitter and Facebook, so just hang on. Uh, we'll be announcing it sometime in early October. So please write me any comments from me have the JBL at PCRG.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.